11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com slash PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is D.C. United goalie Earl Edwards Jr. Earl, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Of course, anytime. Uh, So let's uh, go back in time. How did you get started uh, in soccer? Uh, Getting started in soccer, I had um, older siblings I played. uh, So I probably picked up the sport when I was, say, around four years old. I have a sister that's 13 months older than I am. She started playing before I did, so I uh, naturally gravitated towards it. And I also had another older sister that played through high school. And my oldest brother played all the way through Brown University. Gotcha. Did you play uh, any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played um, a little bit of like flag football, but basketball was my other main sport. Played that through my freshman year of high school. Uh, and gave that up for the residency program down at IMG. Do you think um, playing another sport like helped you in soccer? Yeah, massively. I think the translation of basketball to goalkeeping um, made a big difference for me. Uh, so it's still something I like to do in the off season. Uh, the cross training, I think, applies very much so to soccer. Um, Fitness-wise, I think it's helpful. Uh, but I definitely think the hand-eye coordination and lateral movements and other things like that that apply to basketball, apply to goalkeeping as well. Yeah, and then when you first started playing soccer, were you always a goalie? No. So I played center back um, until I was about 12 years old. Um, our goalkeeper quit in the middle of a training session. Um, given my basketball background, I guess, I figured I'd give it a shot and um, picked it up pretty quickly. Did you, like, fall in love with being a goalkeeper? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I, uh, it's just a lot less, well, my perspective at the time, it was a lot less action um, than it was playing on the field. Um, so I spent my first, let's say, three to six months um, just trying to figure out how I'm going to get back out on the field. And then within six months, got an invitation to go to an ODP tryout um, and to have that come so quickly. Um, and a level of success that I was nowhere near on the field kind of helped me stay committed to what it was or to goalkeeping itself. And, um, yeah, things kind of blossomed from there. Yeah, and I know you just mentioned you went to IMG Academy. So how did you end up going there? Um, so through the ODP program at the time, it's kind of diminished now. But um, at the time, I went through the Cal South ODP team. Um, onto the regional team, into youth national team stuff, and then kind of coming out of that U14 national team stuff, uh, 
got the call from John Hackworth at the time and um, accepted that invitation and spent two and a half years there, um, played in U17 World Cup, and then went off to college. Yeah, well, what was that like moving uh, from California to Florida? Um, it was quite the jump. Uh, I think moving out of the house, going into your sophomore year of high school was quite the challenge, but to have 40 other guys um, your same age that are doing it, I think, I guess, makes it a little easier just that you're all in the same boat. Outside of that, the only real difficulty, I'd say, was like the humidity. That's not something I'd ever been mm-hmm. fully exposed to, which was quite the jump. But uh, having that experience then was probably good for me, given how my future played out and getting drafted by Orlando and playing there for four seasons and not having the the humidity thing be such a shock at that time. Um, so just kind of funny how things play out. Yeah. What about, was it, was there any like culture shocks? Cause like you were from the West coast and then maybe, I mean, I guess a, a variety of people went there, but you were in the East coast now. Yeah. I would say the, the bubble that we were in, it was hard to um, be exposed to anything culturally that would be different on the east coast um but the mix of guys we had from all over the country um you got exposed to uh little different things here and there just within our group of 40 but being in that bubble of img you're not really funny enough like i guess exposed to the real world yeah and what about was it crazy to just go to school with like a bunch of players that were probably going to go pro like even other sports i'm saying yeah um and this is stuff I've, I've been hearing Quincy touch on quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, but um, a lot of us did not go pro. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is an environment where everyone thinks that's going to be the case. A lot of guys overlook college. Uh, we, had, we had a fair amount of guys actually go, but a lot of guys overlook college and think they're going pro. And so uh, school, especially high school, became less and less of a priority for guys. But yeah, so it was an interesting thing being out on your own with no parents and no one really enforcing mm-hmm. um, an education at that point to kind of take it upon yourself at such a young age to um, apply yourself. Yeah, and then what, what was your recruiting process to college uh, out of IMG? Funny enough, my parents took care of most of that. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple college letters. Uh, it's like questionnaires. Um at the time, I would say, I guess, like I said, I was a sophomore, junior. Um, so I had a few questionnaires sent to IMG, but for the most part, people reached out to my parents, and um, they actually visited with a couple schools without me even being there, uh, UCLA being one of them. I think they may have gone to Santa Barbara as well. I don't really remember because once I heard UCLA came into the mix, I was pretty much sold right away. It was a school I'd. Uh, funny enough, my sister wanted to go to, that was like her dream school. Um, I hadn't put a whole lot of thought into college or which school I wanted to go to or at that point in time, my sophomore, junior year. Yeah. Uh, so, so when it kind of came to me, I, I jumped on that right away and to get closer to home and be somewhere where my parents can come see me play consistently, uh, was appealing to me. And like I said, being what two hours or less from home was something I was interested in having moved out of the house at. I don't know, 14 years old. Yeah. Now I know you, you redshirted your freshman year. So what, what was that year like, um, like mentally and like, just like getting to know your teammates and stuff like that? Yeah, I, it was quite the jump for me. Uh, another thing that I've heard Quincy touch on quite a bit recently is, uh, 
being told I'm like the next best thing from a very young age, pretty much from the time I started goalkeeping. And um, a lot of guys are fed that, that go through the residency program or go through youth national team stuff. Um, and I think it is really detrimental to guys. And for me to go to college, I think was a really good experience. I had a coaching staff there that very much so was looking out for my best interest without, uh, even though I didn't understand it at the time, uh, but to have someone like, Brian Rowe in front of me my freshman year that kind of pushed me into a red shirt. Um, it just made sense uh, more so for the coaching staff at the time to red shirt me given Brian Rowe was capable of doing the job. I came back the second year, um, not in my best shape, not in good shape at all. I don't know, having a similar mentality to my freshman year, thinking the job would kind of be handed to me, um, coming off the national team stuff and residency and, thinking I'm a guy and um, lost the work ethic or didn't really even understand what the work ethic was because in residency, everything's right there for you. You're told what to do and then you're kind of unleashed from that. And it's like, wait, I have to figure out how to work out every day, train every day, keep a strong mentality when you're not in that bubble that it's facilitated for you. Um, so there was a huge learning curve there for me. And I think I was... I'm fortunate enough to learn those experiences in my first couple years at UCLA and continue to improve on that in the final three years at UCLA and still with that, um, with those setbacks or that learning process, still not losing the opportunity to be able to go pro. Um, and I think those lessons I learned prepared me um, a lot for even what I'm still going through as a professional now. Yeah. And then, what year was your first like start? Uh, so I registered my freshman year. I played two games at the start of my sophomore year. Um, didn't perform well, so didn't play again. So my first real year of being the guy would have been my redshirt sophomore year. So I was actually a junior in college. Gotcha. And then you went first team all pack 12, 2013 and 14. So what changed from like the beginning to the end of UCLA? Um, realizing if I don't start putting the work in and being committed the way I need to be, um, that the dream and the goal of ever going pro, um, would slip away. Uh, so it was, I it got to a moment of uh, do or die, uh, in terms of my goals. So, um, kind of put things into gear and put the work in and was able to, um, accomplished some great things with a lot of great players at UCLA. Yeah, and then what about, was there a moment at UCLA that like you knew you could become a pro? Oh, I never lost sight of that. I, I mean, coming out of residency, I thought I could be a pro. Uh -huh. um, and it, it was a, a small possibility. It was something I considered. Um, so going to college and not starting was truly a shock to me. But I never... I think that was due to arrogance and uh, being kind of naive at the time. Um, but I never lost sight of my ability to be able to do it. It was just a matter of kind of having that reality check and then being honest with myself and applying myself in a way that could get me to the next level. And what, what did you study at UCLA? I was a history major. Gotcha. And then going into the MLS uh, draft, what, what was that whole experience like? That was an interesting experience. I didn't really know what to expect. Again, I kind of went into college pretty highly recruited, um, national team guy, and then basically fall off everybody's radar, having redshirted and not played a second year. 
and then slowly kind of build my resume back up over my last three years. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect. My agent at the time was doing the best he could to kind of keep things moving, keep people interested. So I knew going into it, my competition wise and guys, other guys I was looking at mostly was uh, like Alex Bono had a great year coming out of Syracuse. So having another keeper, I guess, outperform me in that final year of college uh, was nerve wracking. Um, so there was a lot of unknown. I mean, still having to go to the combine, perform at the combine and um, see how, I don't know, at that point, things are pretty much up in the air and knowing I wasn't on a senior contract or any type of GA contract um, at that point, getting drafted is uh, basically an invite to preseason and you got to earn your way. But I was confident if I, if I were to get that opportunity, that it was an opportunity that I would seize and that's how it played out. Yeah. And then what what was it like to get drafted uh, by Orlando city? It was great. It was a funny experience. I was actually driving into New York city from Jersey city. Uh, My mom at the time was living in Jersey city. We were going to, uh, my sister's place in Manhattan and we came out of the Lincoln tunnel and I got like a Twitter update that I had been, <laughs> I had been drafted. Um, we pulled the car over. It was a pretty exciting for my family and I, obviously, uh, the MLS draft isn't anything like the NBA or NFL or, um, anything like that, but still to accomplish a goal that has been a goal of mine from the time I started playing the sport. Um, or any sport in general to be a pro athlete is something that was always a goal of mine. So um, to kind of get that first step and being drafted and having a professional team, I at least acknowledge that, hey, you might be capable was pretty exciting, but I still understood at that time, like I didn't have a contract. And um, until that day came, there was still work to be done. Um, Not that the work is stopped now, but um, that first initial goal of actually becoming a professional athlete that first step was exciting. Yeah. So what was the path to get the, like the contract? Like how long did it take till you actually like signed and you knew you were going to be like on the team? Uh, three weeks. It took me through preseason and probably, probably the uh, most nerve wracking three weeks I've had in a long time, yeah. uh, possibly in my life. Just not, there was just so much unknown and it's just an everyday getting up and going to training and, wondering if today is going to be the day someone's going to talk to me and offer me a contract or, or not. And then to do that every day for three weeks, it seemed like an eternity, but we made a trip down to South Carolina. And I think that going into that third week or at the end of that third week, and when we got down to South Carolina is when uh, one of our admins approached me and kind of had a contract ready for me after uh, I'd spoken to my agent and things moved from there. And then what, what was your first MLS start like? Uh, my first MLS, I don't know if you've checked stats on that, but uh, I might still hold the record um, in the history of MLS for like goals against average. So my first MLS start was at the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, end of 2017. I have been having a really good year with OCB playing at a really high level within the USL. I um, was up for Golden Glove and things like that. And then we had Josh Saunders, our backup to Bendik, um, get injured for the last uh, three months of the season. Um, that removed me from the OCB setup. And my perspective at the time wasn't um, what it would be now. I was almost, 
oddly enough, I don't want to say disappointed, but uh, given the games I was able to get and play and the experience I was building, I was really happy with my situation um, at OCB and kind of looked at the move to behind Bendik more as a, I'm going to be riding the bench and I wasn't preparing mentally and physically the way I should be if my opportunity came. Um, and that fully came to fruition at the end of that season. And Joe got a concussion uh, two days before the last game of the season. I was not prepared. And uh, the combination of that and a team that had been eliminated from playoffs a month prior, we go to Philadelphia Union and lose uh, my professional debut 6-1. So that was a massive reality check. I put my career on the line. Um, had a very tough exit meeting with Jason Christ at that point. But again, another learning lesson and reality check similar to college that I was able to, to uh, survive and learn from and truly grow from. And uh, similar to my coaching staff in, in Orlando, Jason Christ put a lot of pressure on me to take a look in the mirror. And it was something I was able to do. Came in the next year significantly more prepared, mentally stronger, um, and was able to, to take that lesson and, and run with it. And it's something that's still motivates me every day yeah definitely so after that um i know you you've been up and down the usl and the mls so what what has that been like just going back and forth um with the perspective i have now i'm anytime i get the opportunity to showcase what i can do i'm i'm more than happy to do it um so that up and down stuff um it's not always easy. You always want to be, um, I mean, I want to be a starter in the MLS. That's the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the days that, um, sites are traveling or the number two for the game, um, behind Bill Amid and I'm, uh, I get the opportunity to play loud in games. Um, mm -hmm. I look at those as great, as great opportunities to, to get better and gain experience and showcase what I'm capable of. Um, so it's kind of what I did last year. And if it's what happens this year, um, I'll showcase that um, even more so this year, but we'll see how this year plays out. Yeah, then in uh, December 2018, you got traded to DC United. Did you know you were going to get traded, or, or did it just happen? <laughs> yeah, my contract was up um, in Orlando. I think it was time for a change of scenery, um, so we were kind of, uh, they didn't offer me a contract at that point as well, so it was it was time for... Uh, myself and my agent to get on the phone, start making calls and see what was out there. And um, a few teams were interested. DC United was the most um, assertive and kind of made an offer right away. And I really appreciated their interest in me and took that seriously. And uh, given that they had, um, I don't know, they put an offer on the table pretty much as soon as they spoke to us. Um, that was intriguing to me. And um, given that they wanted me to be here um it's somewhere i wanted to be as well enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players well how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one -on -one? now you can with be pro by perfect soccer head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash b-e-p-r-o to apply to work with our network of pro players today yeah and then what's uh camping like right now i know you're in your camp right now right yeah, it's been great. Um, it's a 
we have a lot of good core guys still from last year, but obviously losing Lane was a uh, a massive piece for us. Um, so there's some rebuilding to be done, and um, but preseason's been good. I think we're going to put a a good team out there this year and hopefully compete for a championship. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now being a goalie, do you like uh, having the pressure of being a goalie? Yeah, um, I, I, it's something I've, I don't know, I don't even know if I look at it as pressure, um, but I'm similar to every other guy on the field. I have a job to do, and mm-hmm. you either do it well or you, or you don't. Um, so I don't see my the pressure on my position any greater than any, any other position. Um, we're all out there to do our job at a high level and either get it done or next guy up. So uh, I think that just that pressure you're talking about, I think, applies to every professional athlete out there. Um, and you're either, it's kind of adapt or die. You're either cut out for it or you're not. And then who, who do you model your game after? Mm, model my game after. Um, it's a funny question. Cause it's like, I, I appreciate a lot of guys games. I like to watch, um, Ederson and city. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Neuer fan. Um, the way the modern game's going, I love the way uh, Ter Stegen, Ederson, these guys play with their feet, Neuer as well. So I, I don't know. I, I think I like to appreciate many different aspects from um, different professional goalkeepers and pick up different habits or skills from as many different keepers as I can. And I don't know. I guess try to be a jack of all trades. All right. You ready for the five Quincy questions? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> what's the what's the most important quality or skill that you feel has been the largest contribution to your success as a pro? Success. Um I would say skill wise, um just um I, I mean I've always had a decent amount of athleticism, so shot stopping and um commanding my box is something that's come pretty naturally to me. Um I think my experience playing on the field at, has been a huge advantage, especially the way the game's going, being able to play with my feet. Then what was the other word? Skill or what was the other word? uh, Quality. Quality. Yeah. So the other thing, especially now, I think the ability to um, self-assess and be self-honest and aware and really study the game and be able to admit my mistakes and learn from them. um, Funny enough is not something as common as people would think. Um, it's, it's really hard in a world of, um, alpha males and a lot of egos to be able to look yourself in the mirror and understand where you're wrong and where you can grow. And then not only understand it, but to do what it takes to actually grow in those areas. Um, and that's something I think I've really improved on in the last year or so. And it's been exciting to see the growth I've had in such a short period of time. What's the biggest mistake you think pros are making? Period. That's it. That's the biggest mistake. Um, uh, I think that lack of ability to swallow their pride, um, admit when they're wrong, um, and truly do what's best for the team. Um, I think a lot of guys um, can say that, and a lot of times it's lip service. Um, but to sacrifice for a team um, in whatever way that is, in terms of playing out of position, um, working hard every day in training, even when you're not starting or playing, cause it's in the best interest of the team. Um, but that swallowing of pride and checking your ego, um, 
to get better individually and to help the team is something that I think um, is a lot harder for pros than people realize. Uh, what advice would you give a young player trying to make a pro league? What advice would I give a young player? Um, I guess the best advice I'd give, and this is, I mean, we have young guys on our team that are pros and I could see there's still um, a lot of growth um, for them to, to make, I guess. And they, um, for the most part, it's um, studying the game and uh, that's self-reflection and understanding where your weaknesses are and committing to making them better. And then within that, um, being okay with the setbacks you have while trying to get better and don't run from it because it's something you're uncomfortable with, um, or don't like doing or don't excel at. I think those are the things you need to focus on and attack and, um, put more focus and concentration into, um, improving um and i I think that applies to every level of athlete to be honest um but yeah i'd say that that focus on what you're uncomfortable with and and pay attention to it and attack that what's something that most people think is true that you believe isn't in general or sports world (laughs) i guess i'm assuming he's going sports world um I think most people think that they are more aware of themselves than they are. Um, And people think they're more honest with themselves than they are. Um, But the ability to self-reflect and be self-honest and self-aware is um, something that I think is for everybody. Uh, I don't care who you are. It's a constant... uh, constantly something that can be improved and um, developed. And that's something I've seen on a daily basis. As far as I've come mentally, Um, I constantly find myself reverting back to things that I've um, created habits doing and to break those habits and to, first of all, um, recognize those habits and be as self-honest and um, yeah, self-aware as I can be. And then to, improve on um whatever mistakes or um whatever things i think i can improve to acknowledge those things and then attack them i think is much harder than people think and i think a lot of people think they've got it figured out when um there's still growth to be made daily what is is something you'd move forward with if you weren't scared of what would happen if things didn't go well something I would move forward with. Um, if I weren't scared of the consequences. Um, interesting. Huh. Well, you're going to have to give me a couple minutes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish I had this one ahead of time. Let me think. Something... So, 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 oh, I got one. Uh, I think I would, if I wasn't scared of the consequences or how it would look, um, and this is uh, no offense, I, I love everything my, my agent has done for me, um, but I think representing myself is something I've admired in other professional athletes and something that has seemed interesting to me, but I have 
no um, experience in the field. Um, I understand what that is perceived of as at times. Um, and to be making those phone calls on your own and trying to negotiate contracts on your own, uh, all seems kind of, um, very intimidating. So I guess if I, uh, that's something I guess I would move on if I wasn't afraid of the consequences or, um, if the level of fear wasn't where it was at. Yeah, that's cool. I've definitely seen athletes do that before. Yeah. And it's definitely, they're definitely outliers. Yeah. I actually, I'm pretty sure. Alex Rodriguez fired his agent and then got like the biggest contract ever or something. Yeah, I think that was uh I think that happened with Quincy too. Gotcha. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh how did you end up joining Perfect Soccer? Um, so I went to Quincy's mental strength uh league, his mental strength training program. Um, all through last season, or not I shouldn't say all through last season, but for the back half of last season. Um, kind of completed that this, uh, this past January. Um, but even prior to that, I guess as I joined on in, actually I did join in in January, but in December, um, when kind of season was over and I realized he might not be coming back to DC, um, his mentorship is something I always wanted to have access to. Um, so wanting access to Quincy and what he had provided me on the mental side of the game. Um, and in life in general was something I wanted to make sure I didn't lose. Um, so that was my initial appeal. And then seeing his drive and work ethic and mentality, um, I also had a feeling that perfect soccer is something that will um, inevitably be successful. Um, and it was something I wanted to be a part of. So I reached out to him in December and said, hey, look, I think um, I can contribute to any goalkeeping stuff you'd want to apply to the company. And um I think the relationship in my um, what Quincy and I have talked about within the company, I think we've gone many other directions and we're going to build out a lot more um, within the company. And uh, it's become more than just goalkeeping. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it's, it's something I wanted to be involved in just to really maintain a relationship with Quincy and be a part of what I, I feel like, um, like I said, will inevitably be successful. Yeah, you ready for some off the pitch questions? Yeah, let's go. Uh, who's one player that you want to exchange jerseys with? I'll say I'll give you one in the MLS and one like worldwide. Uh, well, MLS uh, currently, uh, actually, just because we haven't done this, I would say Richie Larea, uh, outside back for Toronto FC. He's like a brother to me, and um, we've yet to suit up against each other. Uh, but I would love to exchange jerseys with him internationally let's see right now um hmm. i would say i think mbappe would be cool to exchange jerseys with what's your goals for 2020 goals for 2020 um to stay stay consistent in the daily goals that i've written out for myself and the daily routines that i've written out for myself um, I should say daily, weekly, and monthly routines and goals I've written out for myself. Um, so to, to stay consistent in those, because uh, I think a lot of times goals in terms of playing time, positioning, whatever, all that type of stuff, um, a lot of that's out of your control. So for me to stay consistent in the goals um, I've set for myself on a daily basis, um, weekly basis, monthly basis, and documenting those things and recording how I'm doing, 
um, throughout the year and, and to stay consistent in that, I would say um, that's the self-honesty and reflection and consistency is, is my goal for 2020. Yeah. Consistency is definitely key. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like to do in your downtime? Um, I like to watch sports and spend time with my family, not in that order. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like, uh, it's tough during the season, um, especially this time of year in preseason. Um, uh, but when I get off days and have my free afternoons, I like to spend time with my family as much as possible. Um, obviously doing work with perfect soccer now takes up a good amount of time, but in my downtime, um, spending time with my wife and my daughter and, um, watching sports definitely occupies pretty much all of my time. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that video. I forgot who your teammate was, but you said that you argue with sports about all the time. Oh, uh, yeah, me and Kevin <laughs> Alston. I reached out to him recently, um, and uh, we talked about that and how uh, crazy that was that we'd argue every day and how guys would say we need a show. And He's kind of still open to it, so I think we're going to maybe bring that to fruition this year. And then last one, uh, if you weren't a pro soccer player, what do you think you'd be doing? If I wasn't a pro soccer player, I think I'd be uh, probably coaching soccer. Um, it is a game I'm really passionate about. Um, so I think I would be in coaching. Um, but at this point in time, obviously, uh, how, doing how about, st- about non soccer? Non soccer. <laughs> um, question. Um, I could have seen, I think, myself going a similar route to my dad. He's an athletic director. Um, at UC San Diego, and I think being involved in athletics in general is something that I would have gravitated towards. Um, his job was always something that was fun for me to be around from, um, you know, really young age, um, to be running around gyms and different fields and um, be exposed to um, multiple different sports at a young age. Um, I think that's a field I probably would have explored if uh, professional soccer wasn't uh a real option <laughs> gotcha well i appreciate you coming on and uh could you let the fans know where they can follow you at yeah of course uh yeah i'm on instagram is uh at earl edwards jr um and twitter is earl jr ucla appreciate it and good luck this season all right thank you Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM to enter to win for free today.